0: Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news! Ad free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of A shows ad free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. This is the Secret Library podcast, and I am somewhat shocked to share that this is now season seven. While I was pondering the theme for this season, it felt difficult to narrow in on one thing that would be most useful to us in this moment, which has been so full of confusion, upheaval, turmoil, and stress. But then it came to me that writing is like this too. And after we get started, after we've been working on a project for a while, There is a point where we're uncertain and where we don't know what to do next. It's a point many of us call the murky middle. And it suddenly felt like exactly the right thing to talk about with an illustrious lineup of authors this season, both new debut writers as well as household names, in fact. My guest this week is... Jasmine Guillory, who is a New York Times bestselling author, whose novels include The Wedding Date, the Reese's Book Club Selection, The Proposal, Buy the Book, and her latest Drunk on Love. Her work has appeared in The Wall Street Journal, Cosmopolitan, Bon Appetit, and Time, and she is a frequent book contributor on The Today Show. She lives in Oakland, California. Such a treat to spend some time in wine country and in the world that Jasmine Guillory has created in Drunk on Love. I have been much more eager and enthusiastic a romance reader in the past few years, some of which is because you simply see them featured more prominently in bookstores now. And it just, it just feels like Despite what many readers have known, this is a genre that is so much fun to grab up and just feels soothing and delicious. And Drunk on Love was no exception. And it was really fun to talk to Jasmine about the process of constructing this book and how books come together for her. I know you'll learn a lot. There's, there's so much work that goes into making these books so light and fun to read. It's one of the hardest things. It's like, how can it be so hard to to make something feel so easy to read? So we've definitely got one of the masters at work here. And I am thrilled to share this conversation with Jasmine. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a treat to talk about romance because I feel like we, I'm making a general guess that we're in the same general age bracket. And I remember when I was young, it was just like Fabio ripping bodices off of ladies in the past. And I feel like romance is undergoing this huge revolution now and i'm loving seeing a lot of the tropes and challenges and things that you're pushing in your books and i'm just wondering how it feels to be a part of romance at the moment
1: yeah you know i mean i think romance has always had um so much more variety than what people see it as but i think now publishing is kind of figuring that out right and so and so and bookstores are too I mean even you know I even like five years ago I would go into a bookstore and they would have no romance um if they had it it was like sort of in a back shelf somewhere but now like romance is at the front tables and people are buying a ton of it and I think it's super exciting time to be in romance I hope that um things continue to like publishing continues to evolve and bring in more of these stories that we have people have been clamoring for and that you know that people have been writing the whole time but that publishing hasn't really wanted to publish and so I'm thrilled that um that there's so much to explore and I hope that it just continues yeah I do too because I think that
0: it's one thing to sort of challenge social norms in books that are nonfiction about it. But it's another thing entirely when you do it inside of a book that's fun to read, engaging, and that comes from well-developed characters who are just living their lives. And so in in your latest, we have Margot and Luke And I have to say, I always enjoy an older lady, younger man situation. (laughs) Yay, I'm excited. Especially a woman business owner. And so I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about how Margo and Luke came to you and how you decided to set something in the wine country, even though you live in Northern California. I'm just curious how that all came together.
1: Yeah, you know, the setting was really what came to me first. Um, I... I, when I finished writing While We Were Dating, I, which was my sixth book, I knew that that was going to be sort of the end of the kind of wedding date extended universe um and so I was really and I knew that by the book which was a you know Disney kind of reimagining of Beauty and the Beast was going to be next but I didn't really know what was after that and I remember having this conversation with my agent where I was like I don't know I don't know how to write another book I don't know what's happening and she was kind of like yes this always happens we'll figure it out and then (laughs) it was really like the next day that I was doing something else. And I was like, what about Napa Valley? And so that Mm. was like kind of thinking about setting a book in wine country was really the first thing that came to me. And then after that, I started thinking, well, okay, if it's going to be in wine country, like I want to set it, like somebody has to be, you know, be a part of a winery. Okay. It's a, you know, one of one of the main characters is the owner of uh, a small family winery that feels like it's most interesting and most fun. Um, and then, sort of figuring that out, kind of helped me figure out the, a, a lot of the rest of Margot's character. Um, and then, like, kind of thinking through how would she meet Luke? What happens at the beginning of the book was like kind of helped me set the scene. And then after that, there was just sort of a lot of exploration of character and inspiration and, you know, what their um, motivations would be. And so that kind of really um, helped me figure out at least the beginnings of Drunk on Love. Love
0: it. And So we have a lot that we see. Obviously there's incredible chemistry between Margot and Luke from the beginning. And one of the things that I loved is that they have a real connection with each other. And that's something that's really highlighted that it isn't really just about they're both really hot and having a good time in wine country, which would be enough for a lot of people. (laughs) But the fact that they feel a real personal connection and both work in industries where they're struggling with maybe feeling disregarded or not valued as much as they could be and that's a way they can come together as people and I'm wondering if they felt like full people from the beginning or was that something you discovered over the course of writing
1: um you know Luke was a little bit more of a struggle to me I think partly uh, often one character kind of comes to me first and Margot definitely came to me first here um and so with Luke like there were a few things I knew about him from the beginning. Like I knew that he had come back to Napa Valley. I knew that he had grown up there and had come back. And then it was like, well, why? Like why mm-hmm. did he come back? I knew that he was starting this job. Why would he be starting that job? What What was he doing before? And so in figuring out kind of all of those bits about him, um, I learned a lot more about him throughout the story. Like I it was really like, as I wrote, often writing my first draft is, I think I read this somewhere that, you know, writing a first draft is where the author tells the story to themselves, And that's very much what my first drafts are. And that was also really me figuring out Luke and his character and like what he goes through throughout the course of the book, which is something that I, I didn't figure out a lot of that until at least kind of the midpoint of the first draft. Um, and then when I did kind of everything clicked with Luke, um, Margo, I understood cause a lot more of her from the beginning. Cause I think once I figured out like it's a family winery and that she owns it with her brother. And I was sort of thinking like, well, what would that be like to own a business with a sibling? Why do these two own a business together? And so le- you know, learning, what inspired a lot of kind of Margot's background also made me understand her character a lot more. Um, and so those those two things sort of came together as I wrote the first draft. And then I really solidified a lot of it as I sort of kept editing.
0: Cool. I think this was something that I loved also was the relationship between Margo and Elliot, but also Luke's relationship with Lauren and that both of them have this kind of, they're not being completely honest with either of these family members. They're not completely sharing their full selves and it's causing friction in the relationship. Did that always feel like a parallel from the beginning? Cause it, it, in turn pushes Margo and Luke closer together because they can relate to being in these situations but sometimes it also causes even more conflict which is fun to watch
1: yeah I, that you know that did not feel like a parallel at the beginning um and i think i mean partly that happened i think because we're usually not completely honest with family members right i mean we're, you know, we're usually not completely honest with any anyone, but especially not with family, because I feel like family ha- has literally known you forever, um, thinks of you in a very specific way. And sometimes we don't want to change the way that your family thinks of you, or it's impossible to change the way that your family thinks of you, right? And so even when sometimes even when you try to be honest with your family, they're like, oh, well, but that's that was just a phase or that was this or that was that. And so sometimes you just give up trying. And so I think both Margo and Luke haven't really tried to be honest with their family because they know it would either cause friction or it would just be another big fight or it just wouldn't be worth it. And so um, so I think, you know, as I kind of figured out the story and figured out kind of what exactly they were hiding from their family. Not, not necessarily on purpose. Some of them, Um, you know, that it really, I kind of really understood both of their character and why the two of them would, would be attracted to one another.
0: Yep. Another aspect on this, on the other side, we had the contrast between Um, Elliot and Lauren as the ones that they're not being completely honest with but they also each have Margot has Sydney and then Luke has Avery who is the the friend for each of them that they can be completely honest with and at what point did the did Sydney and
1: Avery appear oh I mean Sydney I knew from the very beginning um, (laughs) you know the like the the very first scene in this book has Sydney in it. And I like, I kind of knew who she was starting right out. Um, Luke, I knew that he had come, you know, he had come back to Napa, that he had grown up there. And so I was trying to figure out sort of like what would have driven him to come back. Um, and that was when I really figured out Avery and his relationship with her, right? He... Came back a lot of like a lot of the inspiration for him coming back was to help his friend. And so it was really thinking, like, what kind of relationship do they have? Why would he have done that for her? How do they relate to one another? And so um, so those were very fun kind of relationships to dive into. Yeah. It's
0: a puzzle. I, you know, getting a whole constellation, it's complicated. I mean, and there's always somebody including Taylor and the other wine room staff. And it makes me think also of in, by the book, we had to have somebody and uh, I'm forgetting her name right now, but his assistant, Bo's assistant who was there and was cooking. And she was kind of the matter of fact, had a window into what he was like. Oh, well, she was kettle is her nickname yeah. is what I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Michaela. And so so that there was a way in. And I find that, yeah, looking at how can romance happen in tricky circumstances, is that, is that a theme that you come back to? Because I see these, these themes in your work and I'm always curious about what themes tend to circle around in the stories.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm often thinking about family. I think, you know, what what does your family relationship how does how does that make you into the person that you are? Um, how are you how are you still changing and evolving those relationships, right? Because they change and grow as as you get older and become a person, but they're also there's still stuff from way back in the beginning. And so I think those relationships are endlessly fascinating to me. Um, And I have a lot of fun thinking about that. I think also this book in particular is a lot about work and how both your, your relationship to your work and also the relationships you have at work are different right um you know there people see you at work in different ways than your friends do um who you know you have in different contexts you you behave in different ways at work than you do in social contexts or with family and and so ha- what happens when those kind of intersect um and so those like i i had a lot of fun and i found it very interesting to explore all of those kind of relationships
0: Yeah. Especially when people kind of don't fit neatly into one category, you know, we've got a coworker and a brother, we've got a mom who's also a business owner and all of these ways that people can get outside of their, their usual area and what kind of changes can happen in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Also, you know, sexual tension at work always a yeah. good topic <laughs> always fun to think about it's forbidden well i'm wondering also so what is the hardest part of the process for you we're looking at kind of the murky middle this season and the points when people feel like oh god i don't know if this is going to work and i'm wondering if you have any insight on that part of the process
1: you know yes i mean the murky middle is always really hard cuz i feel like charging into a book, right? You're like, okay, I'm excited about these characters. I know the beginning. Here we go. And then, and then there's a point at which you're like, all right, well, I did that part. <laughs> and, and I know I want to get to here, but what happens in between there. And I mean, uh, you know, <clears throat> my advice is maybe not that helpful it's certainly not that helpful to me usually but it's just sort of like you just for me I just sort of have to keep writing my way in so often that means that I write a bunch of scenes that don't never see the light of day but these just sort of keep figuring help me figure out how to get there um so you know so a lot of times there's like I know there's specific conversations that have to happen how do I do that what what situations do i put them in what are they struggling with and like what are you know how do they how does that struggle reveal itself um and so i just sort of like keep brainstorming and coming up with stuff and then keep writing i think the only way that i do it is to like write a bunch of stuff that doesn't work and then figure out what does um and you know and that like i feel like that happens to me in every draft i I am definitely an outliner, but, mm. um, but there's a lot of like room for exploration within my outlines. And so I often have like a lot more detail at the beginning. And then, and then there's like, and then I want this to happen and then this to happen. And that, and you know, there are like, those are like 150 pages <laughs> where it's like, there are two scenes that I have in mind. And so I just have to keep kind of writing stuff to figure it out. And a lot of those things I I end up, I mean, you know, with this book, I wrote the entire first draft by hand,
0: which is not
1: which is not something that I really recommend doing. But it it I mean there there are things that I learned, you know, a lot of things that I learned by doing it. Right. Like cause I you know, then had to type up the whole thing and i I was typing it kind of as I was writing. and so, um but but often, I would kind of write for a while and then type a bunch and go on. And so there was one weekend when I checked myself into a hotel just to like type up a whole lot of what I had already written. And when I did that, I i I noticed that I kept repeating a handful of things, and I was like, why do I keep saying that? What do I what what do I why am I saying that over and over again? And then I was like, oh I know, I understand. And so so I think that just sort of like helps me figure out some patterns, some themes that are in the book, some things to sort of twist and change. Like there, you know, there was a whole kind of like half of a whole different storyline for Luke that I eventually oh, wow. abandoned because I was like because I knew it wasn't working, but I wasn't quite sure how to make it work. And so I kept trying different things. And then I was like, or it could be something totally different and this is what it is. And so so that's kind of how and where I figured it out. But sometimes you, you at least for me, sometimes I just have to try things over and over again until I figure out what sticks.
0: Yeah, I think it's, there's, there's these points that you know, and then there's points that you don't. And some of it, I feel like is the setup with the characters. Like you had characters who were complex, interesting people and their issues you can see playing off of each other. Yeah. Like, you know, the things that Luke doesn't want to talk about with his mom, you can see where that might be an issue for Margot at some point and vice versa. Margot's sort of reluctance to, to talk openly with her brother about some things could bring up stuff with Luke. So I think some of it is being willing to throw your characters under the bus sometimes, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is always really hard because you get I guess I get really attached to them. And I'm like, I don't want them to like go through something difficult, but we all have to go through something difficult. (laughs) So how
0: do you, how do you go through with it? Because I think of this as like protective author syndrome. It's like, oh, I've worked so hard to create these people and they're wonderful. And I want to make sure they have a nice life, but that would be a really
1: boring book. Yes, absolutely. I mean, part of it is that, and part of it is just like, kind of pulling in emotions that I am feeling from something else. And, you know, letting, letting myself explore it in, in the book, um, and letting myself kind of like feel the hard things and let the characters feel them as well. Um, while, you know, as we, because I think we all have to go through hard stuff in order to get to a good place. Um, and so like letting, letting that happen is, is often very hard, but really rewarding.
0: So you've written an entire sort of a series with many, you know, many volumes in the same world, but then you've got By the Book and Drunk on Love that are more standalone. And I'm wondering how they feel different to you approaching it in those two ways.
1: Yeah. You know, when I, like, I I, I feel like it was, it's it's fun for me, you know, it was always fun in the kind of books that came after the wedding date to start with a character that I already knew something about. um, Partly because, I I mean, a little bit of the work is already done, but only a little bit, right? Because (laughs) you, because I, you know, in a book that, I have only seen a character from someone else's side. I don't really know how that character thinks of themselves. And so that was something that was always really interesting to explore. Like what is different about them than what their friend or their family member or whatever thinks of them, Um, but. And so that was, that was always kind of really fun and exciting to explore. However, it is always, it's, you know, it's been great with both by the book and Drunk on Love to start fresh, um, to start with like kind of brand new people and see what, where will that take me? Uh, You know, I'm not tied to anything here. What do I do with that? Um, How do I kind of explore a whole new place and a whole, you know, new universe that I can do anything with? So, um, so it's really like, I mean, I think writing is, is fun in so many ways. So it's been fun to explore all the different, like kind of ways that I can see characters and understand them.
0: Yeah. And are you, are you leaning one way or the other? I know this is like the point when you get asked these questions that of course you're like, I just finished one book. I'm not, I'm tired. I don't want to, I don't want to jump back into another one, but Looking forward, do you see another longer form piece with many many installments in the same world, or are you loving the the standalone for now?
1: Um, I mean, I'm kind of in the early stages of the next one, um, so I think it will be in the same world as Drunk on Love, but oh. don't hold me to that. Okay,
0: because so there were a lot of characters where I thought I could hang out with this character more and find out more from their
1: perspective I was thinking I mean and I think that's also the reason often why yeah I I think Starbuck's about characters because I kind of want to hang out with them more so um yeah I'm like
0: curious about Sydney's life I'm curious about will Avery find a new way of dating that might be more satisfying to her like what's going on with Lauren and Pete I feel like that's (laughs) kind of a hot story like I don't know I'm because that whole thing that that Luke's mom started dating somebody
1: that he used to work with. I was yeah. like, Ooh, that could be a good book. So I don't know. I do like the moms getting, having, getting to have some fun, you know? Oh, totally. <laughs> yes.
0: Cause I mean, yes, yes. Margot is a few years older than Luke, but it's always fun to get the ladies over 42. Yes, the, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Well, it's been such a joy to talk further with you about Drunk on Love and hear about your process and talk more about romance. I've been just gobbling it up lately and enjoying every minute of it. So thank you for all that you're writing for
1: all of us to gorge on. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of Acast shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.